okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 55. Yeah, 55. NASDAQ Futures down 220. Dow Futures down 381. Carl, how are you? Well, uh, you know, it's uh, still dark and kind of cold and nasty around here, but uh, that's, that's this thing called winter, and this too shall pass. Uh, a record today, <laughs> and yet another record, Carl, a record at the uh, latest time of the year. We have had no snow in Chicago ever. Today's, uh, we what, two days we broke it now, or one minute or something. Yeah, hard to believe. We're December uh, 20th today, still no traces of snow. Actually, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting in that it's it's certainly cold here right now, cold enough to snow, but it hasn't. We have, although a couple of days ago it was considerably warmer, and we got a pretty nasty rainstorm. So it's 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 not that it hasn't been cold enough; it's just that the cold hasn't coincided with the precipitation. <laughs> the uh, what, what, tomorrow is tomorrow the solstice, or is the twenty third? Tomorrow, right? Uh, well, it, it, I'd have to look at exactly what it is. Normally, it's the 21st, but it, it can be off a day either direction. It's a, you know, it's an astronomical calculation. So. It, it does, uh, it does say it is tomorrow this year, December 21st. I have to call my, my man, the guy who used to walk my dog Scruff, who's a, sort of a complicated soul, Carl. He's a dyslexic Jewish gay Wiccan. Oh. How's okay. That, how's that for Campbell? And the solstice was his. What was? I mean, do you ever uh, talk about weird stuff that I watch? Uh, this is not pornography. This is on the History Channel. Do, do you ever read about the uh, the the Nazis' obsession with the uh, the solstice and the, all that Norse mythology and all that weird stuff? They were really, really oh, yeah. into it. They were really into it. Well, you know, there's a there. That's always been one of those, you know, one of those things. I mean, it's you know, it, it goes back to the earliest, uh, you know, groups of, of religion before Christianity and everything else. I mean, it's you you can make a fairly clean argument from a historical context that Christmas uh, was put where it was not because that was when uh, you know everybody pretty much agrees that Christ was born. But rather because they needed to deal with the fact that the that the people of the time had this uh, had this religious holiday called Saturnalia, and they essentially stole it from a timing perspective, uh, which corresponded with the solstice. Uh, by the way, I, I just looked it up. Uh, it is tomorrow, ten fifty eight Eastern time. Uh, is is the actual point at which the solstice occurs this year? That's my. Uh Significant other's favorite day because the days start getting longer after that. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's an end. It's, it's, of course, in days gone by, before we had this thing called science, uh, you know, you performed all these these alleged magical rituals because if you didn't, the sun was going to keep going away and eventually you were all going to freeze to death and starve. Well, well those, uh, those pictures of, like, 
I don't know how many thousand Nazi guys walking along all with torches on the, you know, the dark moon night for a solstice. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. But uh, they were into it. And uh, anyway, that's so, uh, Kyle, just when you think that, uh, well, I don't think you ever think, nor do I, that you can believe any of these people. I, uh, sometimes I, you know, you know what I should do? Instead of doing the show, I should listen to the show. Because I actually would probably trade better. Because I don't use, <laughs> I I say stuff that that makes sense to me, but I never think it's, I never think I'm the only person reading the, the memo, right? So I don't really trade off a lot. Of, I mean, I've been kind of stunned that with all this uh, alleged concern about inflation and everything, that the bonds have been going the wrong, essentially the wrong way. I mean, uh, so yeah. so this week, uh, as these guys come out and they start talking again, and and, uh, and Paul has his little thing. Well, last month when they had the, the the Fed meeting and they had the Fed chair out there doing whatever he got, God knows what, uh, they pumped almost a hundred billion dollars into the system. Whatever it was, they didn't want the market down while he was talking and while they're meeting. Then they come out and talk about we're going to get rid of this taper in, uh, in in three months. And of course, nobody asks him if getting rid of the taper, if buying you know the other bond stuff, is really going to mean. They're going to stop the incredible increase in the money supply. Nobody ever asked that question. So what they really could do is just shift from one to the other and not even make a difference, right? If they wanted to. Well, yeah, and you know it's kind of interesting because if you look at if you look at the ten year, you know, which is kind of the gauge for what's really going on, right? I mean, the TNX is the probably the most liquid part of the of the market, other than the very short end where you know where all the overnight stuff happens. Uh, if you look there. Uh, we went out at the end of the week, uh, with a, with a, a rather interesting chart pattern. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're, we, we traded 1402, uh, on Friday at the, at the close. And, uh, that, boy, that's, that's, uh, if you look at that over the last couple of months, uh, that's, uh, let's see, that's a low yield. Um, other than a little dip a couple of weeks ago, that's a low yield going all the way back to like September-ish. And uh, you might ask yourself, "Gee, as, as Carl looks in the mirror, how, hey, young Carl, how does that happen?" All of a sudden, listen. Well, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you kind of have to look at this and say, "I don't care what Jerome Powell says. What I care about is what the the hive mind, if you will, of all the people who actually, if they're wrong, they lose money." Yeah. <laughs> what are they, what are they actually believe is going to happen? And, and who is more likely to be right here? And I, and I think one of the big things we've lost over the last couple of years, it's gotten much worse. It's, it's been bad for a long time, but it's gotten much worse. One of the, the things we've lost is credibility. We don't even know and, what that means. You know, Powell can say whatever he wants, uh, just like Biden can say whatever he wants. But, you know, whether it is, whether it is we're going to crush this pandemic, oh, you're fully vaccinated, no, no, you're not. Uh, you know, by the way, go get another shot. And, and then, you know, oh well, you know, we're not going to have any inflation. This is fully paid for. This bill does not, you know, does not increase the national debt. It does blah, 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 blah. And, and, and yet, Powell then says, oh, you know, this is transitory, right? And they've been running this, you know, oh, well, that's just because people have decided to come out of their, you know, come out from under their desks. They're not quite as scared as they used to be. Oh, my gosh, everybody is going to die this winter. You know, there's a White House coming out with that thing in the last few days. Um, well, 
all these all these people have made all these statements, and people in the markets are looking at this and saying, "Well, you're all full of it." Well, but this is uh, if, if you and I were, I'm not saying we're bad traders, Carl. I don't think we are. I think we do a pretty good job for or me for my clients. Uh, because I'm always very cautious, you know, and lately I've been, I guess, doing a better job than normal because the market's kind of cautious. But uh, in my wildest dreams, as much as I don't, I don't believe if these guys told me it was, if it was light out, the first thing I'd do is look out the window. That's how bad I feel about them. In my wildest dreams, I never thought, because I had clients last week saying, how come we're not short, you know, we're not shorter on these TLTs? I mean, why aren't we betting on right. these interest rates to go back up? And I go, you know, because every time we do, we lose. I mean, there's there's right. something going on here that obviously we're all missing. I look at this number Friday on the balance sheet increase. Did you see this? $90 billion last week. Yeah. That's like a record. And these well, it might not be a record, but it, it, I don't think there's many that were this high. There might be a couple. But, I mean, that's obscene when, when you're telling people that it's going to be zero in, in three months. That is absolutely obscene. <laughs> Then if the guy who was at, you see the new chair, the Fed, uh, what do they call the guy, the head of the New York Fed? That bump comes on on Friday and starts talking about, well, we're really concerned about real interest rate. Then what are they, negative nine, negative ten? Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, it, you know, and, and it doesn't help, though, when you get the people on the other, that, that have been the nutters for a long time. Uh, there's, there's a whole group of folks out there that are claiming that we've been running, you know, the, 10, 11, 12, 13% inflation for the last 20 years. And I'm like, do you guys, have you own a calculator? Have you, have you, have you taken, you know, what a 10% inflation rate uh, across 20 years on average? Go, go ahead and punch that into your calculator with a nice little exponent function and tell me what the price level would be as opposed to, say, uh, you know, at 2000, right? And, and the general price level. Then you go find something in the marketplace not stock prices, but in the actual market that you buy that reflects that, and, and you can't. It's, that's just obvious BS. But you can't, you can't take the either side of the crazy and actually find something that makes sense. And unfortunately, one of the sides of the crazy is the official pronouncements of people like Powell. So. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll go back to my monetarist roots, and I'm going to say, much as this would be horrible radio, I'm going to say you might actually agree with me on this. I have a little, little piece of paper here. I do this, then I can't even read my own writing, which is really bad, Carl. From let's see, from uh, February 2012 uh, to February 2020, I have the uh, money supply growth at 7.3 percent a year. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say that our real growth uh, in that period of time was probably. One and a half? Is that being charitable? Um, well, it depends. So, I mean, it, you know, one of the things that I that I used to pay a lot of attention to and write a lot of articles on every you know, every time it came out was productivity and cost because that's sort of the base upon which real output expansion happens. All right. Now, so, if you think about it. What is what is the definition of economic progress in the in the sphere of capitalism? And it is figuring out how to do more with less. Okay. And right. technology has brought us a lot of that. Okay. Right, I mean, so it's, uh, you know, we went from plows to you know to uh, hand by hand to beasts 
and then to machines. And in doing so, we did more with less. Right? And, and this is the—I mean—that's the definition of progress in anything. And yet, the the last report we got on that is hideously wrong way. <laughs> okay, wait, all right. So you 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 asked what you you said if somebody were to say that the inflation was ten to twelve to thirteen for the last uh, twenty years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's money supply growth was seven point three. Now, we're, we're arguing about the uh, real growth. What do you think it is? One or two? It's not five. It's not zero. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I think you are. Yeah, you're kind of in there. Exactly. All right. So if it's one and a half, say one point three, that would mean by my my education. That the inflation over that period of time, 2012, 2020, was probably uh, 6%. And I think that if we go back and look at how the CPI is, is ginned up and, and, and move your uh, hospitalization, move your education, move some taxes, move some, move, move some of the federal fees or uh, governmental fees, I think we could easily justify a 6% number over that over that eight years, per year. yeah, I think right. I, I think you're right, Chief. But I but here's the thing: is that there's so one of the things I've talked about for more than ten years now is that there are certain areas of the economy. Education's one of them. Post secondary, in particular, uh, and in the entire medical monster, that because we do not have the willingness as a society to deal with those problems and the cost escalations that are there. The only personal defensive action you can take is not to need or use them. And that's it. That's all there is. I mean, unless unless you're going to openly revolt, that's all you got left. Okay? But if you remain exposed to them, ultimately, I don't care how much money you start with, you're going to end up with none. Well, that's exactly right. And I... And, and the weird part is, is that the... Uh, well, all right, let me, I, I, give me... Give me another 30 seconds on this. From... Uh, February 2020, roughly when the COVID started, through August of t- uh, 2021, that rate was 22% annually, the money supply growth. So I'm going to say that for that particular uh, 18-month period, um, it's a 22.9% per annum. And I think we had zero growth in there. So I think in the last 18 months, we've had a minimum of 20% inflation. Minimum. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, and, but again, we're showing up with some rather odd things, and then you see some of the dislocations that are coming in there, and you start asking what people are, how much of an accident is any of this? Okay, I mean, as, as an example, as I've pointed out on the show before, uh, the worst pandemic in, in modern history and, and certainly the worst one since we had Medicare, okay, since Medicare existed. Uh, and yet, last fiscal year, hospital spending was actually down. Well, you cl- they closed. Well, I understand that, but the, but the point being, if, if the government knows, the people at CMS and the people at Treasury know, that this is going to eat the budget and destroy the government's funding model, well, then... Uh, it, it, if you take the known set of facts, you start to come up with some pretty nasty conclusions. Well, I don't. It, that's that's kind of where I'm heading with this, Carl. What I really wanted to 
dig down to you because I have a bunch of different stuff to ask, ask you today. Uh, actually, one is, don't let me forget this, is how exactly all these homeless people are being counted or aren't. But to get back to, right. what, we, to, get back to what you just said, by the way, if you don't have a, a mailbox, do any of those people get the checks from the government? Or do they not pay well, taxes? Try- what they're trying to do is, is, you know, the latest thing that's happened over the last uh, 10 or 15 years or so is that there, there are no checks anymore. It now goes on to a prepaid debit card. And if you want to, you know, I, I don't know about Chicago because you guys inside the city, I don't think you have Walmarts. But you get out into the suburban areas and the, you know, the, uh, shall we call it more hickish kind of areas. You know, Northwest Florida, where I used to live, is commonly thought of as Lower Alabama by a lot of people. It's only partially in jest. Uh, Twelve oh one on the first of the month. A really astonishing thing happens at these stores that are open twenty four hours. Well, yeah, right. But I guess, but here's 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 my my concern. As you hear, I mean, if we had the TVN high now, everybody be bleating like a like a goat about how great the economy is. You push this, pull this, push this more money into the place, and you've got a, and you're just pouring money at stuff. How do you even know? How do, how do, right now, I mean, as much as you know, I have this background, and we had, and and, uh, and Carol, uh, Carol uh, Russell was on the other day, our new PhD. How the hell can you figure out right now? How do you have any idea how good? At least, I mean, if you're an economist and can dig through it, and you really care, and you went to Home Depot or you went to you know, Myers or someplace, and actually went back to yes, last year's prices or the year before and looked at it to now, did some kind of a calculation. How do you even know if we're doing good right now, or if it's all just nominal? Well, that, I think, I think that's part of the, you know, part of the problem. What you, what you seem to have in the general sense is that there's so many people who just, they, they know that they're sitting on a bomb. And so, you know, let's let's just throw some more dynamite in there because it, it isn't going to go off. And when it comes to the, the the whole monetary shenanigans, it's like, well, you know, if we don't do this, this is going to collapse. Okay, so they do it, but they don't care what the side effects are. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the guy that says, "Yo, my back hurts," and the doctors, you know, here have some pain pills, right? You take them, and then you know, two weeks later, problem isn't gone. You come back and you're like, "Doc, I'm out of pain pills." And he says, you know, you're, you're going to get addicted if you keep taking these things. And, and you say, yeah, but I, my back hurts more now than it did two weeks ago. Okay, what happens when you wind up in the situation that that coffin corner problem starts to show up where you don't get the relief from the dose you're taking, but if you take more, you die? Well, yeah. it's a, I, I mean, I, I'm just curious as to what, what, what the motivation is Every everybody ought to know that when you when you have either a, it's very difficult to count in an inflationary or deflationary period to figure what the real. It wasn't until like years and years later that people realized that after the Civil War, when your when your economy was actually nominally going down as they were dragging the greenbacks out, that you actually had a tremendous amount of growth. Oh, absolutely! But it took it was it wasn't obvious when it was happening. Well, you know, the other thing that's interesting is that if you look at 2021, which I which I brought up a number of times, nobody ever wants to talk about 1920 and 2021. We we had a tremendous inflationary surge that occurred, followed by a deflationary credit collapse. People got over levered and it blew up in their face, 
And what triggered the the euphoria and the mania was the end of World War One, of course. Uh, and so we, you know, oh boy, everything is going to be wonderful, everything's fantastic, and people got out way over their skis. Well, the Federal Reserve, which was new at the time, um, was goaded by the government to, hey, don't let this happen. Don't let this contraction happen. You have to drop rates. You have to pump money into the economy. And the Fed said no. Uh, this was this was infamously driven by the man who was Secretary of the Treasury at the time. I bet you can. Uh, we'll we'll do a little. Uh, wasn't that wasn't that, wasn't that Morgan? So, was it wasn't Morgan? No. And and what would have been considered the worst depression in American history, except that the market cleared, and eighteen months later, everything was back to full employment. We were growing again, and so. And what, what happened is what's supposed to happen. You, all the people that were over-levered went bankrupt. People came in and said, hey, you know, I can buy this factory at 10 cents a dollar. That, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I'd make some money doing that. And so there were some people that had capital. They came in and they did that. And it very rapidly, the bubble cleared, and the, and the smoke you know, cleared off, and everything was fine. Uh, and, it was, and the whole thing was over in 18 months. Okay, We actually posted the largest quarter-over-quarter economic expansion in the history of the United States coming out of that. Never been bettered before since. Now, interestingly, of course, then it was called GNP, not GDP. They had a little bit different definition. Um, The man who goaded the Fed and got rebuffed was later president of the United States. Who was he? Oh, it wasn't. Well, Woodrow Wilson always was. It wasn't Hoover. It was Hoover. Really? Yeah. Well, Hoover was a brilliant man. Didn't he? He actually owned, <laughs> I won't say real stuff, but didn't he own like engineering companies and stuff in Europe and everywhere? He was a. Uh, oh, yeah. And you, know, and you know what? As it turned out, he was completely full of you know what because he got to implement his policies later on, and we know what happened. Well, a lot of, some of the New Deal was actually his stuff. Yes, it absolutely was. I mean, he was no dummy. I mean, uh. Oh, no, he wasn't stupid. He was just wrong. Well, he also couldn't get stuff through. He actually thought he could work through. It's, it's, it actually, it's interesting reading. He actually thought he could get big businesses to work with him. It turns out that big businesses. What was his his famous line? I, I somebody I, I got this old to believe that every, every guys that run these companies are all a bunch of bleeps or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm in, I've got a new theory here, Carl. And I know you're not around in the city here anymore, but. Some of the stuff, and Maddie, I don't know if you were reading what was going on this weekend, but uh, two people got shot walk at 9.30 at night walking out of a, essentially a high-end restaurant right by Trump Tower. And then on Saturday night, people in a Mercedes-Benz shot up one of the Division Street bars and like hit the TV going through a window. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, Carl, that this is not just a bunch of out-of-control young black men running around in hoodies somebody is trying to degrade the value of a lot of real estate with maybe the attempt of taking it over this this seems way more organized the Perillo thing busting up the front windows grabbing the expensive watches this is not just a few kids from the hood 
Well, you know, you know, that's one of the things though that's interesting about this is that when you when you get rid of the rule of law and you allow certain people to to do certain things, and then then you get this political movement that gets in there that oh, you know, everything is racist. If you, if you snatch purses and you go to jail, that's racist because your skin's the wrong color. But the other guy who does it, you know, that that would be a, that would be something we should punish. What you end up with is is this sort of thing spreads. I mean, yeah, I I lived in Chicago and around Chicago for thirteen years. And there were always parts of the city, there always have been parts of any big city where you just don't go. Alright, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's gang activity and things like that, and it's been there forever. But when you, when you take an organizational view that we're not going to do anything about this, you get the kind of thing that happened in Detroit, you know, 30, 40 years ago, where Devil's Night was literally the biggest arson fest in the free world. Yeah, but these people, and, I'm saying, and, and, I mean, literally, Devil's Night, the night before Halloween. Yeah. It's in hundreds of fires. Well, I don't see how we have more cameras than anywhere. <clears throat> they can tell you the type of, how how does, how do these cars, when they know who they are, the other one, well, the other one, I think it was an Alexis, and, and how, did, how do these cars make it out of the downtown area? With all the cameras, how do we not know where the, how the hell they're going or how they're getting out of here? How do we not catch them before they They, they get? don't care, Chief. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with we can't catch those people. Of course they can catch them. Well, is it, is there, are the police... We have a DA that does not care. I know, but does, does, are the police infiltrated? Or, are well, they... Not, the cop, look, if you can't, if you're a cop, if you're a beat cop, and you know that your DA is going to let that guy go, are you going to chase the guy down and, like, shoot at you? But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in on that. I'm not all in on that. Uh, I mean, we're talking about people with, uh, I mean, I, somehow or another, this is being allowed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't, I mean, and I look at what's happening to these buildings and the values and things. What are we going to have nobody go down to the Division Street on a weekend now? I mean, really? Well, I'll I tell you what, I, I used to hang, you know, when I was a younger man, I used to hang out down there, because, you know, what, what, why not? You know what you go do down there. You know, you go chase, uh, you know, go chase skirt and stuff and, and have some drinks and have some fun. Did you, uh, ever, were you ever, uh, acquainted with the term go ugly early? <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a, the, uh, my, uh, well, still friend, uh, uh, ex-girlfriend, um, she's been on the show before. Um, she's she's terrific. She used to live at Clark and Division way back when all this started. She's uh, uh, a little older than me. It doesn't make her bad. Uh, she lived at One uh, East Scott. If if ever was there the place where it had the, the absolute best scenery of any place on earth, Maddie, every the uh, there was no uh, blue line to the airport, right? So all the stewardesses lived. Well, man, I won't say all, but a real lot of them lived in that building because there was a bus from the uh, Ambassador East. Outdoor here, and most you know parents. If your if your daughter's living downtown, you didn't want her like you know. Well, I don't even know how she get though here by public transportation in those days before the blue line. But the bus, right. everybody took the bus up there, and you were a block away. So back and forth to work, you were you were pretty much convinced that your daughter was okay, right? Well, these ladies in the studios, they used to hot bunk because not you know they were always on the road, so they very rarely were there together. I tell you what, there had to be double the amount of apartments. Of of basically stewardesses in the place, Carl. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it, this let's just say the swimming pool was interesting. Just saying. Yeah, 
So yeah. what was it? The go ugly. Oh, the go ugly early was uh, <clears throat> one of Robin's guys buddies. He looked just like Woody Allen, but he thought he was Robert Redford. He'd he'd head out, he'd head like to the bars at like five o'clock and try and pick somebody up like six or seven. And he might even like take him to dinner and stuff. But if there was no action, he could make it back to the bar and then try again on the same night. <laughs> so it was called a go ugly early. If if you struck out early, you were you were back there at eleven to try to pick off somebody else. Or maybe <laughs> so, so he'd he'd make two attempts on the same night. <laughs> Yeah, so he used to call it when he went out early. It was go ugly early because you could come back and recover if the first one didn't work out. <laughs> SB Futures, <laughs> SB Futures up fifty two. Nasdaq Futures up two hundred eight. Be right back, stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Alex, Webber on the board SP Futures. Down 50, NASA Futures down 203, so it's ugly this morning. I figured if I didn't talk about it real much, maybe we'd, we'd come flying back, but we haven't. Uh, bonds, by the way, are up. We'll talk about that in a second. Down down 352, down futures, that is. Over in Asia, at the Nikkei down 607. It's two, over 2%, 2.1. Shanghai down uh, 38. It's 1%. Hang Seng down 447. That's about 2%. Um, China actually cut their benchmark lending rate, but it doesn't seem to make any difference. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 272. That's 1.8%. you down 78, 1%. Kakaron down 69, 1%. So all over the world, pretty low. 
Uh, on Friday, the Dow was down 532. That's 1.5%. S&P down 48, 1%. NASDAQ down only 10. NASDAQ was a, was a stalwart. Uh, looked like we were coming back on the close. Dow, which had been down 600, was only down 3-something. Then everything fell apart in the last five minutes. Uh, bonds. A minus one uh, basis point to 1.39. The bond unchanged 0.38. Japan unchanged at positive 0.05. Oil down 220, back under 70. 68.66. Rent down 235, 71.17. Natural gas up a dime, 379. Still but way below that six over six dollar peak. Arbob down five cents to 206. At gold down five bucks, 17.99, just under 1800. Silver down 24 cents, 22.28. Gold had a big week last week, but uh, not this week so far. Copper down two cents, 4.27. And we've got uh, Bitcoin down 9.75 to 45,000. 835, and a lot of people are still convinced all these, I'll call them fake, uh, fake securities are, uh, there's a shot. Fake securities are, by the way, did you see the Tom Brady ad where he's trading Bitcoin, Manny? I did not see that. Oh, he's got a new ad where he's trading. He doesn't, he mentions the word trade, so it's flying all around the internet. Every tweet, Brady's gonna get traded. No, no, I'm trading, he goes, I'm trading, uh, Bitcoin. That's what he says. Through the, uh, through the guys, uh, poor the guys on the umpire. Uh, he's, uh, he's advertising. For, or whatever. Yeah, he's advertising for those guys. Uh, so crypto again, not down nine thirty to forty five thousand eight eighty. What do you got for us, traffic weather sports? Thirty seven minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a good start here on a Monday morning. A lot of folks uh, maybe heading out to vacation a little early because we're seeing some light travel times coming in on the Edens and Kennedy, Eisenhower and Stevenson. All quiet. Same for the Southside Expressways. We had one earlier crash on I eighty way southwest near Joliet. This is uh, I-80 right at Route 53. Uh, there was an earlier crash. Apparently it's clear now, but some resulting congestion from that has I-80 on the eastbound side moving slowly to the southwest. We also have a crash out in Wheaton, western suburbs, Geneva Road at President Street. But everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, a nice day for uh, late December. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 41. Right now it's clear and 32 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 71 today. Right now it's clear and 43. In sports, Monday Night Football tonight, uh, the Bears will host the Minnesota Vikings at 7.15 p.m. at Soldier Field. The Vikings uh, are still in the playoff hunt. Bears uh, on the outside looking in, uh, but looking to play spoiler. And that's a 7.15 kickoff tonight at Soldier. Cardinals played yesterday. They were blown out up in Detroit by the Lions, 30-12. to so the uh, Cardinals, uh, after a 10-2 and start, have now dropped uh, two in a row uh, to teams they probably uh, were favored against. Sunday night football, it was the Saints shutting out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 9-0. NBA basketball, LeBron James and the Lakers came to town last night, and the Bulls played their first game since December 11th and played without Zach Levine, but still had no problem beating the Lakers 115-110 to in a good back-and-forth game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was outstanding. Uh, 32 points for DeMar in the win. Did people know he was that good when they got him? Uh, he's always been a very good player, but so far for the Bulls, he's been great. So he's definitely pl- outplaying uh, the expectation, but he's always been very good. And by Can the way... Did get more minutes or what? You... Uh, no, I think he... By the way, I said he had 32 points. He had 38 points. I uh, misspoke there. Uh, no, I think uh, he's always been good. He's just been in different situations. Uh, he was with Toronto and didn't really have a lot of help around him. And he was a young player. He only played one year of college. 
but he was he was a very good player. Then he got traded to San Antonio, and it just wasn't a good fit. And he took a big big uh, uh, decline in production. They were kind of playing him out of position. And uh, and then you know he came back to the, came here. He's got he's got good coach. He's got good players around him, and he's just been outstanding. Good for him. Yeah. Lastly, the Suns uh, blew out the Hornets, one thirty-seven, one hundred six. Chief, uh, we're going to get to the point where if, if, if all the players and all the coaches on both teams um, have the Omicron, we just play anyway. Well, we should have done that a long time ago. I mean, it's the, <laughs> the reality is that the the concept of testing people who are not ill. No symptoms. He's crazy. How does, I, first off, doesn't work. Okay, you're. You, we we have we have a tremendous problem in, in general. There are a huge number of people who have been told that they have you know that they've had this thing. They never got symptoms, and we never followed up with an antibody test to find out whether or not they really did indeed have it. And so you you are using something that the the man who developed the technology says cannot be used as a standalone diagnostic because it falses if it is used inappropriately. And and we know this in every other area of medical science. It's never been done before. So, Do you, you know, know there, there, but there we go. We still maintain that this is, you know, well, you know, you got you got to shove this swab up your nose, or, you know, or, or the the more common you know, you can have you can have the brain probe style, or you can go get one of the at home ones, which is uh, you know just in the regular part of your nose. But neither one of these things is accurate as other than a confirmatory thing. Now, if you've got if you've got symptoms, if you're sick, then okay, you know, differentiating between one thing and another is if if you're wrong in that case, have you really done much harm? And the answer is no, because if I've got the flu, and you say I got COVID. I could still give the flu to somebody else, and staying home is a good idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jose, are we still? I've had well, as a period there when I had to take a bunch of tests. Uh, why are we still doing the nose test? The throat swab is supposed to be a lot better, and I'm thinking you could easily, if you walk through a place that that had uh, people there, might have had it. You you could easily, if it's sensitive enough, uh, not pass a nose test. And be it not have it. Well, yeah, and that's and that's part of the problem is that the people have this idea, and it's been pushed by the by the so-called experts, and they know they're wrong. They just it, it, the, people have bought into this narrative, and they just will not stand back and say, you know what, we screwed this up. You can you can get a snoot full of something up your nose, and yet the the part of your immune system that does surveillance and destruction of things that go up your nose uh, manages to kill it off. It never gets a foothold in your body. It never gets replicating, and you don't actually get ill. But you will show up positive on a test in that situation if you have the sensitivity set high enough. But you're not actually sick, and you're never going to get sick. Why don't, we, why don't they just use the throat swab? It seems like that one's much better, isn't it? Well, neither one of them is, is accurate enough in that situation. You cannot trust asymptomatic people and accurately discern. And if you and if we went back, and I, I said this back in the beginning of this thing, back in the, the first couple of months, that the only way for you to know if you're told that you were you were positive and we you know we use this precautionary principle, we quarantine anybody that popped up, you know, for two weeks, you got to sit at home, whatever. When that period of time is over, you ought to go get your fingers stuck and find out if you have antibodies. If you do not have antibodies, you didn't have the disease. That's the end of the conversation. That's scientifically proved. So, 
And, and, but we didn't do it. We didn't do it anywhere. Well, I did. I did. So I did. I wasn't sure. Well, I, well, I did, too, yeah. after I actually got COVID. But I did it originally because I thought I'd had it January of 2020. And as it turned out, I did not. But I was pretty sure I'd had it. I had a really nasty bug. It wasn't COVID. It was something else. Um, by the way, just out of, later curi- on I got it. out of curiosity, that particular late January, February bug of that year, Buried the southwest side of Chicago. Everybody, my girlfriend. Oh, it was and horrible. And I, I think it was H one N one, which is which was going around that year. Um, a lot of those people were pretty resistant. Still haven't had the COVID. I wonder why. I wonder right. why, why that's all about. Well, it's it, 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 it. Immunity is a whole lot more complicated than a lot of people like to make it out to be. There are some viruses, like the measles, for example, where this is just simply not true. If you if you have a hundred people that are susceptible and you get you stick one guy in a room with them, every single one of them essentially is going to get it, and that's and that's just the way it is. But this is not true with corona. Coronaviruses are quite common. There's four of them that circulate. This is number five now. It's never going away. But interestingly enough, Omicron, this latest variant. Uh, is also proving up something else that we've always known about coronaviruses, which is that you cannot stay ahead of natural mutation or unnatural mutation, as may be the case here, and you, you just can't do it. You can try to vaccinate your way out of it. It's not going to work because the virus always bats last, and it mutates fast enough in the part that's necessary to get into your cells that there's nothing you can do about it. And so all, all you can get out of it is symptom reduction. And, and for a lot of people, that's probably worth it. But you have to weigh that against the risk of the bad side effects that come from the treatment. And that's, you know, we, we just have this single-minded view with this thing. And yet there's, there is some evidence. Uh, it's not yet developed far enough to be able to say definitively it's true that this latest variant, replicates extraordinarily well in the upper respiratory tract, so in your nose and in the top part of your throat, but very poorly in the lungs, which means that, on balance, it is probably going to be much less dangerous. Well, that's what even uh, Gottlieb, I listened to him on Friday, and somehow or another, they, and I think he's a pretty smart guy, even though, since he's on the board of Pfizer, I, I, I'm a little more tongue-in-cheek listening to him, but uh, yeah. um, but he, somehow, he, he's convinced that this particular Omicron, the way that the, the charts are going, the charts, like it's a stock, uh, he goes, it's going to be a three or four week phenomenon, not a six month phenomenon like the other variants were. He said, it just, well, it's because it's going to spread like a wildfire if somebody threw gasoline on the yeah, on he said grass first. He said, the places that got it first, they're already over it. It blew through yep. so fast. He goes, the New York's yeah, going to have starting, That's the thing, is you look at the places where it hit first. You're already starting to see the backside of the curve there. Yeah, he said. He goes. It's, he goes. I guess one of the issues with New York is the flu sitting as well. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, hey, it's winter. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Hey, uh, we got. We only have a minute here, or we could we could actually spin over into Jan a little bit if we wanted to, because he'd love to be on with you. I know. Uh, I, what? And when I talked to him last week, because he he worked for the census for a while, and uh, you know, and, and, and Jan knows a lot about everything, but. He's talking about the homeless now. They try to count uh, everybody. Now we're talking numbers that are getting up there. Uh, what are they? Are they? Are they? I mean, in terms of in, in your area that you're well, not that you're not good. A lot of areas. In the, where are they in on the tables we talk about once a month? Are they in the column? We don't know what they're doing. 
they're not they're obviously not unemployed because they're not looking for work or allegedly not looking for work. Um, where are they? Where I mean, are they? Well, they're in the non they're in the non institutional population. So they'd probably be in the. Uh, I, I suspect if you dug into it, they'd be in the not in labor force. Uh, you know the, that we don't know what you're doing column. Uh, because they're, you know, they're, they're not institutionalized, they're not in the funny farm, they're not in jail, and they're not in a nursing home. Um, but they certainly exist, and they're part of the 16 plus, uh, you know, you're alive, and you're 16 plus. So just, you're just there, you, you've got no address, you've got, if the government wants to send out a thousand hour check to people, you, you're not gonna get one, because nobody knows who you are. I mean, how do you drop off the grid like that? To that, I mean, does anybody even know you dropped off the grid? I, mean, I, I guess I don't know how this all works its way through the system. I have no clue. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, one of the things that's interesting is that, of course, accurately counting people in that in that category is essentially impossible. So, to you know, to to a large degree, that's a guess. But I I suspect that you know, if you drive around Lower Wacker Drive. And, uh, you know, see all the bums that are, are trying to not freeze to death by getting near the, the air exhaust in the buildings down there. You could uh, statistically model that and say, you know, well, you know, we counted this many people in this area from, you know, from this camera that was running. And, uh, oh, by the way, that means that there's probably, you know, 800 uh, homeless people down there. Well, I, because uh, there's, no, we're now up to three in the, in the real nice tents down the block here. We're not, we're not talking about guys in front of grapes. Talking about guys that uh, are. I mean, that's that's they're planning on that being their home for a while. It's a and they're and they're not. I'm going to say they're not even 40 years old. Oh, you know what? I the last time I drove through Chicago, I saw tents along the Dan Ryan up underneath some of the overpasses. I was shocked. Yeah. Well, the South Side. Hey, Jan, how are you? Uh, you might, how would would you mind being on with Carl for 15 minutes? Talk about this. I'd be honored. Home, Tom. Honor. <laughs> Nobody says that about I, me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, like I said, Jan looks at it from w- uh, one direction, and I mean, uh, when this has happened before, I'm going to test you guys. When we've had, obviously, before the war, World War Two, once we had, you know, once 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 we started doing the munitions stuff, and the idea that this all started at, at Pearl Harbor is crazy because they were already selling selling munitions. We were already coming out of that part of it, and we were turning factories over to munitions. Would you say year and a half before Pearl Harbor two at least? The uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah because we we had the you know the war in Europe was already going on so and we were already selling stuff to people. But oh, I absolutely! I know my uh, my my uncle's was a tool and dime maker. He was working at uh, at Pullman, and they were already making tanks for the Brit the British. And uh, it, here's something bizarre. I don't know if John's much on, on manufacture, but. The, the British were big on rivets and not bolts, so the the inside the tank was riveted together. And he goes, huh. he goes, the last thing you want, he goes, you're not going to see it in any 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 uh, you know history of the war. He said more people got killed in the tanks by rivets popping than by, than by the Germans, because if you start bouncing over huge terrain, and a bolt is is not going to pop to that extent, but a rivet when it pops, it, it, it comes off like a bullet, right? Yeah. Because there were people who just got basically shot by their own rivets in those things. Nobody wanted to be in those British tanks. <laughs> well, that's not a good thing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but they, then they would take the uh, the landing craft that they were making, and they, they were going over, and they were trying them out on Lake Calumet. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you know, here's an interesting thing. Those those landing crafts, the engines that were in those things were the old two-stroke Detroit diesels, which uh, are, are today, they're illegal to sell new because they don't meet emissions regulations, but they were the, the workhorse of basically how, you know, how we got guys on the beach. Well, they used to, they were made, uh, wasn't Howard Cosell, Howard Cosell, wasn't, uh, when he was in the, was he in the Navy? I think he was. And he was a captain, and I think at age 22 or 23, he was in charge of like 30,000 people making landing craft in New York Harbor. And he yeah. are, I mean, he had, a, he had a huge job, and he goes, as soon as the war was over, he was out. He was just out on the street without even a paycheck after having that, you know, obviously that was a, a real deal for somebody of any age, let alone that age. That's when he ended up going to law school and starting to interview athletes. Because <laughs> he had he had no job. What are those guys doing? They all got tossed out. We I mean, talk about a you know how long did it take for everybody to get a job? A long time. Yeah, I mean, it was, and well, quite a while. Yeah, I mean, there were tough times. Yeah, it's a. I mean, have we learned anything? Or is, is there any kind of a? Here, I want to ask you guys before we lose Carl. Um, this obviously the what's his name uh, is not going to vote for the bill, and that's probably one of the reasons why the. The market is down because people were thinking the Fed was going to have to put a lot more money in to, to yeah, finance it. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know what I don't what I don't get, and I, and I I don't know if you guys have an understanding of this either. But John's our attorney, buddy. Um, why do these bills have to be so all encompassing? Because Durbin came, of course. What's his name? Uh, Maddie's favorite guy, the guy from uh, Vermont. I mean, he, that guy didn't even know what he, he has no calculator, so I can't listen to him at all, Bernie. But his heart's in the right place, but I don't. I, I hate to have him do my shopping for me. I'd come back broke every day. Uh, but the, the but Durbin comes out and he starts talking about. So he obviously doesn't care about uh, young kids getting insulin at a decent price. He he rattled off like two or three things. I I gotta believe this is just me talking. I gotta believe in that huge stack of disgusting bill or whatever is in there that anyone could pull out a hundred items that no one would disagree with. Why don't we? I mean, nobody wants to not give insulin to kids. Forget. Why don't we pull the hundred out that everybody agrees with and just pass that? At least do something. Why does well, no- because those those are the cudgels that are used to pass the rest. Right. Okay, but remember, remember something very important. Nobody nobody wants to talk about the history of this thing with Mansion in this bill. Mansion and Schumer came to a formal written agreement months ago, back in the summertime. They wrote it down. It's it's available. You can look it up. You can find it online. It was a piece of paper that they both signed. That there was there were a set of conditions for Mansion's uh, support of this because, of course, with the Senate being split fifty fifty, if you're going to do this with you know with Harris being a tiebreaker, you can't lose anybody on your side. Okay, and Mansion had a number of concerns, so Schumer agreed to this and put a signature on this document. Then, and he stuck up the middle finger and said, no, you, you said we were going to do this on these terms, that we were going to have this bill, but these were going, these were the lines that were going to be respected. And you didn't just violate one or two of them, you violated all of them. Well, it was like the, the, the Patriot Act. I mean, if you, if you didn't like any part of it, hey man, you want your mother raped by some guy in a turban, right? I mean, basically? Yeah, you're a communist, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there's got to, I mean, I guess, if it's any kind of decent government, the stuff in there that needs to be done, we're just not going to do it because we wait for the next bill. We can use the the good stuff to beat somebody over the head with, or what? Well, when are we going to stop with with 
this concept that we're going to write 4,000-page bills that are full of cow dung, and there's one or two decent things in there that, that everybody likes, and we're going to use those one or two decent things to put all the cow dung through and make it law. Well, how is it, uh, I know you guys are a little, a little more, since I'm in the middle, you're a little writer of me, but I, I you know, I'm beset by full right-wingers every weekend. When, when, uh, when, when are the, the right-wingers and the left-wingers going to understand this is not just the other party's problem, this is a governmental, congressional problem. It doesn't matter who's in office, they do the same thing. Who's ever in control? Well, I mean, it, it's, how do, how do you, how does the population, do we have a vote and say, stop this? You know, one, one subject, one bill? I mean, how, how do, how do we, the population on both sides say, hey, for the last 20 years, the Republicans have been doing this and the Democrats have been doing this, stop. We, we have, do, well, why don't we, embar- why don't we just embargo DC? It's not all that hard. <laughs> There's a thought. But, <laughs> well, Jan, from a, from a legal perspective, how, how, when did this all start? Where we, where we instead of just having a, an idea and a bill, you put the bill through. I, I understand how a uh, you know a, a communications bill is going to take a long time, or an agricultural bill is a once in five year deal, or maybe a whole new tax bill is a big deal. But there's there's stuff in here. I mean, if, if you recognize there's there's fifteen issues with you know uh, say insulin for young kids, what, why can't you just put a pay, what, when did that all stop? Why why didn't why doesn't somebody if anybody in Congress can can essentially propose a bill, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's been going on for more than 150 years, Tom. Where, or you know, probably more than 200 years at this point, where you've got you know the, the desire to just you know blur everybody's vision and everything else with an onslaught of stuff and sneak in stuff that you would never be able to get through if people really had time to think or, or even to read these bills. And I think that there's always been you know, a fair amount of success, too, at pushing stuff through at the last minute, burying it somewhere in, in you know, fudgy language. that it ends up being exactly what was expected, but nobody really had the time or, or the, you know, the, the energy to deliberate about it ahead of time because there were other urgent things that had to be done. So it's about, you know, distracting people. And now you've got it on such a grand scale with these these bills, who, who can possibly read these bills, and who would possibly trust their judgment after reading them carefully for six months? You still would, you know, in the meantime, the thing would have changed anyway, and you wouldn't be dealing with ex- exactly the same thing. That's clearly what's happened with this Build Back Better mess. And, and well, I, think, one I think part of it, yeah, I think part of it is, is the computers have made it so much easier to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that is, and uh, you know, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you had to actually type up your text on a typewriter, you didn't have a word processor. It'd be a whole lot harder to do these three thousand page monstrosities. But how does the how does the 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 playout mechanism even work? Say, I'll, I'll say for a second that you two guys are sneaky enough to hire Maddie Weber as a lobbyist and have some special carve out in there for. Uh, Carl and John's Pizza, right? Where you know you guys were were, were, were uh, offended by the COVID or something, something. So you become a national treasure somewhere. So there's money in there for you, which could be, you know, I'm sure there is in some of this stuff for individual places or manufacturers or wherever. And uh, all of a sudden, the thing gets passed. 
where does it go to where you guys get your check? Is it are there are there actually people in government that now are forced to read this bill and see every little line who gets what and where? And you, and your lobbyist beats that guy over the head and say, "Don't forget to check to my guys." I mean, oh, how yeah. does how does the thing well, even play out? Well, somebody's looking out for that interest. That's the only job that person really has to worry about is getting that thing pushed through and, and get the check cut. So, yeah, I mean, if you got somebody doing nothing but that, it will get done. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, this is my question here, and I'm, I'm very clumsy with this. Sorry about this. My, what I'm clumsy with is everybody seems to agree that not everybody reads the damn thing before it's passed. I mean, if anybody. Nobody reads it all. Okay, so, but now the minute it is passed, Somebody has to. It's a bill. It goes into wherever it goes. And now, now all of a sudden, who, who in government is in charge of going down the thing line by line and, and issuing this guy a check and this guy a benefit and this? Who, who are those people? Well, that's, you know, that's a good question. I, obviously, it happens. Yeah. I mean, Lou says it just goes into the. We have to pass Obamacare to find out what's in the bill. You know, but I mean, what's in the bill beforehand? But I mean, once it's once it's there, I mean, Lou says there's actually people. This now becomes in the what the federal code, and people go over it and they and they do whatever the stuff. God, that's got to be like if, if 550 people in, in Congress can't read it, how many people are doing that? I mean, how many people in government is it going to take just to, just to do what this bill tells them to do? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little crazy. The public to know about, right? Well, I mean, it's you know, back when Obamacare was was being debated, I actually stayed up all night and read it, and it was possible. These days, I, it, you couldn't do it, Bill. Back then, it's it literally couldn't be done. It's five times the size. Well, Carl, we got a dash, but uh, um, won't see you Friday. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, have I, are you uh, are you home for the holidays, or what are you doing? Oh yeah, no, I'm here. I'm uh, gonna probably be uh, putting on the usual uh, Die Hard movies. That you know, I mean, the, the ultimate Christmas film. Absolutely. <laughs> and then watch Hans uh, go fly out the window again. Well, don't we have a bunch of football games? <laughs> if they're not all canceled, there are football games on Christmas Day and basketball. So yeah. there's sports on TV too. Okay, well, Carl, take care of yourself. Talk to you a week after. Have a good Christmas, Carl. SP Futures down 55. Nasdaq Futures down 218. Be right back. Uh, Stacks and Jacks with Jan and Maddie Weber. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Mr. Matt Weber, the board. SP Futures down 57. NSA Futures down 221. Um, we'll have Mr. Flanagan back in a second here. Uh, again, I was talking earlier about the amazing amount of money that the Fed poured into the system last week in the midst of uh, their saying that they, that they essentially weren't. Uh, they're going to stop doing that. So it's uh, pretty interesting that they were thinking about doing that when you start doing 90 million billion in one week and you say that in three months you're not going to be doing any that's uh kind of an odd way to go out but uh that's uh sort of sort of what they're doing uh maddie what do you think uh well, i think he's trying to retrieve jan but the uh individual stacks ev- everything in the dow industrials this morning is is down and down i'm going to say reasonably heavy bearing express down 250 imogen down 180 apple down 314 Boeing down 377, Caterpillar down 3. I don't have, I have one stack, uh, uh, in the, uh, in the transportation average. R is up 2 bucks, everything else is down there. Uh, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a tough morning, uh, so far here. Tesla's down on 1957. I, uh, I just, as an anecdote, I did my, uh, hope <laughs> you pay bills. I, of course, I still write the checks, talk about a Luddite, but, uh, I can't get over how much stuff in the last month has gone up. I mean, my utility bills in an apartment from the last two years are up dramatically. And, and it wasn't even, wasn't even cold. And, uh, my cable bill was up, uh, 10%. Uh, make that 18% over one month over the other. So I call them up and I go, uh, hey, what's the story with this? And they go, well, all the prices are up. I, I, I can see that. So they raised the price of equipment rental, which is the, the box for the TV, from $12 a month to 17 So I say to the guy, well, am I getting a new box? Well, no. Why would you get a new box? I said, well, uh, I've had this one for like six years. I've sort of like paid for it. Now you're going to take the price up roughly 40%, and I'm not even getting a new one. And uh so... <laughs> The, uh, John, I'm telling a story about my, I, I called the cable company because they raised the price of cable like 40 bucks in one month, right? And I go, well, you know, what's the story here? And he goes, well, well, of course taxes, I'm sure, have gone up, but I mean, there's not a, we're not, we're not, we're, we're any, any place you could possibly get some tax out of people are trying to get it. But the, uh, we're talking, you know, 18%, um, month over month. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not talking about normal, the, uh, Electric bills, gas bill, gas bills are over are to the moon, even though gas is down. The the, the charge was four apartments in my building. I think the the connectivity charge. Now, mind you, there's one one line into the building, 
There's four connectivities of fifty some bucks a piece. I mean, the idea that that this isn't this isn't crazy land with these prices. I mean, I, I know I talk about it every day, but but it's 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 eviscerating the population. I think. I mean, what do you? Well, my, my gas bill, one I just got it the other day, is it's twenty percent over last month's gas bill. Yeah, uh, there isn't any noticeable difference in consumption that I'm aware of. <laughs> I haven't I've left old burners at the stove on or anything. <laughs> and, I, and I know that I I, I I rag more than most on these combinations, and and uh, my my nephew was you know he got this older car, but anyway, if somebody rear-ends him on the Dan Ryan, actually some lady rear-ended somebody like four cars behind him. Of course, she was texting. And bangs in, and about eight cars bang into each other. And he was like second from the front, but but the car is kind of a, a beater anyway. So they're like, you know, we can't keep this thing running. I think it's like a two thousand and four or something. So his uh, his, his lovely bride, who's a teacher, um, you know, commutes to school every day, has a, a Honda SUV that she's had like forever. Well, thing's got a bazillion miles on it. She loves it. Wants one just like it. So they go to the Honda dealership. Guess what the number is? Over list. Pretty guess. Four grand over list. They went for the thing, and, and I go, you can't pay that because if 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 somebody bangs into it, insurance company is only going to give you right. the, the normal discount from list, right? So you you know you can't you can't if the thing's in an accident, you can't come away a ten thousand dollar loser the next day. You know, so you can't pay that, and uh, so I call. Uh, Audrey's cousin was in the uh, car business and has been forever. Jan, and he's got like three cars on the lot. He can't. He refuses to pay up for these cars. When he does get one at a decent price, it goes tomorrow. So I said, so you're mad somebody bought the two cars you bought this week. Well, I don't have any cars on the lot. Well, would you rather have 50 cars out there with a half a million, half a million dollars in debt to the bank? Well, no. I said, <laughs> well, you're mad the guy bought the car from you? Well, no. But anyway, but he's been, he's been somebody says, I want this specific one. Because he has a dealer network and everything, he's been he's been getting specific cars for people. I mean, like, and uh, and everybody's real happy doing that. I mean, some of them, oh, but the time it's a big deal. I mean, he, he, the last one he got was from uh, Utah or someplace, and then of course by the, by the time he detailed it, I mean, I can just sell you the thing off the off the transport. Make sure they check everything out and detail everything, and it's you know, but but people are very happy with the price, and he gets a better price than you and I would get like an AutoZone type of thing or Auto Trader. Anyway, more more than you need to know. And I so I said, "What's the story with this this Honda being four thousand over list?" He goes, "Yeah, my I got a buddy who works at one. I don't without going the nameless. I don't remember the name." He said, "Yeah, they just got bought by another Honda dealership. They were fifteen hundred over list, and as soon as the new owners came in, said we're now four thousand. So when people think all these combinations, all this people competitors buying competitors or hospitals buying other hospitals, doesn't end up to bite you in the ass." You, 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 just by listening to the show, you, you, you should know enough about economics to know that virtually, you know, what did my, uh, what was the guy's name, Father Fitzgerald, that I, that I, uh, took monopolies and unions and stuff from? He was, he, he made it to what? Was he like 105 or something, Jan? Before oh, he, yeah, he was ancient. And, uh, he said, <laughs> the old joke was, when three or four people in the same business start to play golf, they can't make it to the second tee without, uh, about talking about fixing prices. <laughs> or raising prices or something along those lines. I mean, it's just this, this you know, this idea that the only reason why somebody raises prices is because they can't. It's, it's what yeah. you said, Tom, and you're absolutely right. <laughs> There's no push pull economic.
economically speaking, other than you see an opportunity and you got the muscle to make it stick. So, well, as Milton Friedman once said, he goes, "In the short run, the hardest thing to convey to people, other than like the money supply stuff, hardest thing to convey to people is in the short run there is there is no connection between cost and price." I mean, to, a, to a certain extent, there is obviously a little bit, but not, you know, it's it's like an umbrella in the, in the rain versus on a sunny day. What's the difference? It costs you the same amount, right? It's true. <laughs> That's one of the, the the real terrors of when there is, you know, real inflation, though, too, is that it creates a climate that, you know, well, everything should be going up because everything seems to be going up. And this seems to be the you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. You expect to pay more. And you don't get particularly shocked at how much more you have to pay because this just seems to be the way the system is you know, working out its problems. So if, if anything, once you let loose inflation by overprinting money, you make people accept an inflation rate you know, in any more rational time period. They would say, no way. They would just not buy. But, but they, they feel like, well, this is just the way things are, and you kind of normalize it. Well, anybody who thinks that at your local McDonald's, and what did Russell say last week? His McDonald's breakfast used to be five bucks, is now over eight. If anybody thinks for a second that you you showed up with 50 of these people from trying to get over the border from Guatemala, and somehow you could beam them from the border into the McDonald's and say, these guys will work for the $10 that you think that everybody should work for, you think any of those prices on the border are coming down? Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, why, I don't know, I guess I don't understand why. But, yeah, what? Am I, uh, let's get back to what I was talking a little bit about earlier. I'm, I'm beginning to get to sense that some of the violence in the downtown area and some of the higher priced areas is not about randomness. I think it's people trying to instill, instill fear in people and, and buy some of these places on, for cents on the buck. I mean, am, am I remote? Oh, I was, I was listening to your conversation with Carl about that and it made me think of you know, what I remember growing up in the South Side about blockbusting yep. and panic settling, selling. And my first you know, memories of it, this is going back to 1956, where the, the neighborhoods changed very quickly racially just because people didn't like the idea of uh, people of other races living next door, sort of people who hadn't ever had to do that before. And a lot of people moved just because they, they found this not the way they wanted to live. That morphed, you know, in the next 10 years or so into, you know, people who were tired of moving. And I'm, this is where my parents were at. They had seen this happen pretty much all their adult lives, and they were sick of it. So they just said, we're going to stay here and let, let things, you know, play out. But until it gets really bad, we're not in any hurry to move. Well, the next thing you know, you know, everybody's kind of getting along in our neighborhood. It was about 50-50 racially mixed black and white. And all of a sudden, in the summer of 1965, there was this coordinated effort using gang members to march around in the neighborhood, not firing any shots or anything, but you'd have the, the guy, Blackstone Rangers, on one side of the street and the girl, Blackstone Rangers, on the opposite side, and they'd be chanting gang slogans back and forth at each other and swinging chains in the air. Well, the first time that happened, half of the remaining white families put their houses up for sale and were gone. And it, it, it was pretty clear to me, and looking back on it, that it was the pretty much white real estate companies that were paying oh, yeah. people who maybe weren't even gang members for all we knew to do this and fear became the, the real motivating factor everybody it was 
sell their house, so the brokers were the ones who really benefited from it. I think that the same thing with shooting up Division Street bars um, or you know, neighborhoods that aren't used to violence. You, you make people afraid that this is now the norm, and they're going to get out, they're going to sell at panic prices, and you're going to have a whole wealth transfer just like we've seen in so many other directions. Um, one of the ladies who uh, used to bartend at Tripoli, she doesn't anymore, she's in one of the places downtown, I won't give the name, she goes, the the crowd that's there, it's it's over near the Viagra Triangle, so people know where that is, the, the, was it the Gillies, Gibsons, and what's the other one? Uh, the so the, the the group in there at night now is is all the the head gangbangers, almost like the old pimp mobiles. They used to have the big deuce and a quarter. So all these guys are in a rolls of hundred dollar bills, and they run these places now. They come into their bars, and those are their spots. And there's 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 a change going on here, Jan. And I don't know that our our police are infiltrated or, or they are not are not willing or able. It's almost like we need a, a, a special forces group in there or something. Some, something weird's going down here, and I don't think the regular police can, just by the way they're organized, can either stay ahead of it, because I bet there's people on the force that are working for these guys and let people know. I, Some, I something, agree. Something's going down here. That, for just a, a little bit of the history on this, uh, on this, we used to call it blockbusting. My mom, uh, we lived in St. John Fisher, you know, which was this, you know, this kind of lily white Irish ghetto kind of place. And, uh, which was fine. And so she goes, after a lot of years, you know, Dan and I had gotten old enough to where she was going to go back to work and do some stuff. Well, there was this, there was this real estate place and maybe 103rd and Western. You would never guess it was any other kind of real estate place than just a regular old real estate place. Well, she gets a job there like four mornings a week. She's there for like three weeks and all of a sudden there's these, you know, fire bombs and stuff in Roseland. They're talking about blockbusting, and the company they name is Hilltop Realty, where she was working. <laughs> I remember Hilltop Realty. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so the next morning, of course, she goes in and says, "I'm out of here. I don't want any part of a place that's doing blockbusting," because my mom didn't want any of that stuff going on. And uh, but they used to. Uh, this is what would happen, literally. If if a first they'd they'd move a black person into across the quote the line and the line changed every decade or so but the the line was Ashland Avenue forever right yeah and I guess before that the, the line had to be halsted between the blacks and white or it was back of the yards it was the railroad tracks were at 50th there or something I don't know but, but there, there was always quote a line where black people were on one side and white people were on the other so the uh they'd, they'd move one black person into the other area and maybe the guy'd get firebombed maybe he wouldn't but immediately, these real estate places would start calling up and saying, you know what happens when blacks move into a neighborhood? Uh, the prices go down, so you better be the first to sell and not the last. So they'd panic the hell out of people. So a house that might have been worth, at the time, 15 grand immediately sells for 12. Right? So people are like, oh God, you know, these, these black people are, gonna, are, are messing with my, my equity, in which I'm, I'm not saying individually they did, but the whole, the whole, shenanigans going on did right so so people did end up selling places at you know that were worth 17 18 for 14 15 right John? and then took a huge haircut on and it. uh my when i when i worked for the uh chicago public schools as a janitor this was uh i'm gonna say john it had to be one two three four it had to be 1970 maybe it must have been before my senior year our senior year and uh I was two two years at uh, Froebel, and then the next two years I was at South Shore. Well, the second year, 
um, which was the world's greatest deal, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I don't know if I want to go into that. But uh, Ann Cranley says to me, you can have South Shore again this summer. And but you got this other guy's pretty connected. You got to pick him up because you had a car and he doesn't. And I go, all right, I can do that. We lived in Little Flower, maybe right between somewhere between Ashland and uh, Western. I'm going to say 84th Street, 85th Street. So I pick him up every morning and drop him off. Right? Actually, we didn't go in the morning. We didn't have to be there at one o'clock. <laughs> That's another part of the story. Uh, so I picked the kid up, and uh, he wasn't much of a personality, but he was okay, and. Uh, I'm going to say that summer, Little Flower was 99% white. The eight weeks I picked the guy up, by the time the summer was over, it probably was 40% white. That entire area just buzzed that whole summer. It were some combination of, uh, I can't remember what year it was. It had to be the summer of 73, maybe, Jan? Maybe 73? Yeah, I remember, Tom. It was, it was happening south of there where I, I lived at 96th in Winchester then. And that was a tumultuous time. Yeah, um, it was repeating a pattern we, you know, my family had seen elsewhere in the South Side. Yeah, because they mentioned because it happened evidently between Halsted and, and Ashland twenty years ago or something before you and I were around. But uh, but no, it was it was you know a really nasty sort of deal. So I mean, I've, I've we've seen people use violence and use race and use things like that to take over other people's property before. And so when I see this stuff happening, I'm going. Wait a minute! A Mercedes shooting bullets into the whatever bar it was on Division Street. I'm thinking he'd have to lodge or one of those places. Hitting hit the TV and, it, and somehow getting out of there, even though we have more cameras than we have behinds in this town. Uh, I mean, I, I, how is it, John? I mean, I'm not you know a police strategist. How is it that we don't have an intelligence group that has 15 cars every weekend? And all the exits from downtown and the, the near north, and every time this happens and somebody's caught on camera, how do we not? Are we not able to follow that car and where it's going? Sort of like on TV, and there should be people waiting for them. How 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 is that not? With all the dough we spent, how is that not possible or probable? It's easier now to do it efficiently and effectively compared to twenty, thirty, forty years ago. Yeah, I mean, how do we not? How do we not catch that person? Well, the right before was a white Lexus. How do you? How do you not? How do you, you and I can't get out of four hundred Wabash just driving out of there with, the, with with all the traffic and everything? How does somebody like that manage to get out of there without anybody seeing them, anybody catching them? You and I could never do it. It's the thing that people really don't like to think about or, or talk about is you know, the corruption of law enforcement, the judiciary, you know, the state's attorney's office where there's pretty much a stand-down, it looks to me. Um, the certain types of crimes, certain places, whatever, don't seem to get solved. They don't, and, of course, by not solving them, you you just accelerate the, the rate at which similar crimes take place because there's an invitation to people. Um, and just you know, randomly shooting a place up, to me, I mean, any of these random crimes, just for, for no reason other than to frighten everybody else, are are strategic crimes. Yes. They are not crazy people doing them. They're people who are pretty much paid assassins or, or just you know paid terrorists to upset the balance of things, and, and somebody is benefiting from all of that turmoil. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, finding I, out who it is, 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 is takes a little bit of work, but I don't think it would Well, it takes some effort. Do we, do we really want to find out? I'm I mean, starting to well, wonder. Every, everything would come crashing down if we knew it, probably. Well... 
I, I, mean, I, I don't want to point fingers at particular politicians, but I think we'd be astounded at, at how many, you know, politicians have that as their power base, you know, keeping this kind of, of turmoil well, going. Well, from what my, uh, when we had the riots, from what some of my uh, buddies, uh, you know, I get all kinds of people we talk to, because we're on the show, people love to talk to us, I guess, but he was, he was uh, one of his friends from way back in the day, owns one of these shopping centers, one of the oldest ones. I won't mention which one it was. And he has a couple guys working for him, and I don't know if it's private security or whatever, and uh, they were tracing whatever the websites were that all the, the no-goodnik guys were using. And he said, you know, they're, they're coming after your place. And they ended up calling a couple of suburban police departments, and the police department showed up. And uh, then they said, okay, they're going somewhere else. Because... They, they recognize that the police were going to be ready for them. Which leads me to believe that somehow or another, the Chicago police, knowingly or unknowingly, are, are becoming very co-opted. I don't think they know that, that they're being traced, that they're being followed. And I, and I wonder if it's with, with somebody's help in there. You know, I, I you, know, you wonder. I, uh, I know one of the things I, I liked, uh, uh, you know, who's the guy that was drunk? Was his name Eddie Jansen? Was it the series? Oh, yeah. Um, the thing I, I had, I actually kind of liked the guy and had pretty good respect for him until one day he uh, came out and didn't they accuse somebody in the 411 uh, or 911 area of giving heads up to uh, lawyers and stuff on traffic yeah. incidents and so forth? And he said, uh, I'm shocked that this could never have gone out of my department. Well, you know, uh, and people on the show, I don't expect them to listen and remember this kind of stuff, but my. My dad died when he was 35, when I was four. Well, a few years before, he had had this uh, kind of Ben Casey brain operation where they tried to get this tumor out. And, uh, of course, they opened up his head and they couldn't. They said, we're not, we can't, there's nothing we can do about that. So they just put a plate there and said, you know, he, he should be all right for a year or so. And he lasted three. Uh, you know, but it's, there's no way we can fix it, uh, brain tumor. Well, he ended up... Uh, because he was in the signal corps during the war, they knew a lot about radios. They said, "Would you like to be in dispatch?" Which was, for lack of a better term, that was the the old nine one one. Even though there was no nine one one, right? He actually dialed the police number, and he was in charge of answering the phones and sending people out. Not in charge; he was one of the guys. And uh, the first day, some attorney says to him, "Look, if you hang on to that phone call for a minute." On an accident, and you call us first. It's like it's like worth five hours of phone call to you. This is 1954, when five hours is like a lot of dough. And uh, my mom said that they had the conversation. Evidently, they were pretty tight and had these conversations. I said, no, we don't want to do that. That's not that's not what we are. So he turned them down. Okay, so if it's happening in 1954 and I know about it, how does a police chief not know about it? But really. He knows anything? a lot about it, too. I think he knows a lot about it. I mean, does, it, I mean, does anybody... I, I understand this stuff goes on to a certain extent, but and I, and I don't expect people to be perfect, but there's there's somewhat of a limit to this. There, there, there's... And I'm not saying, uh, you know, corruption is is good, but I'm saying I know how people are. And, and, and people like the idea that if your brother-in-law all of a sudden gets tossed out of work, that... The guy will find him a job doing something, you know, whether it's sweeping a street or whatever. These are not high-end jobs. I mean, but that, you know, I guess that's corruption. I, I can roll with that, provided the guy shows up for work and does something all day. Uh, 
If he doesn't, now that's another story, right? Now, now everybody has their their like levels that are their line in the sand. I mean, I don't expect people to be perfect, but I expect people to have some sort of reasonableness on it. Am I wrong? Or does this have to be black? I, well, I think by and large people do. And one of the things that I think that explains the outrageous suicide rate among law enforcement officers, particularly in Chicago, is the kind of ethical quandary a lot of them are in. This is never talked about either, Tom, but it's, it's situations like your, your dad was put in and went along with it. And now they're in deeper and deeper and other stuff, and they, there's no way out of it because they're, they're completely compromised. I mean, they've, they've lied to everybody around them and their family and God knows who else to keep this going. And this is why people kill themselves. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've seen this connection made, but it isn't just so much that there's pressures of the job. It's, I think, the fact that people have really been compromised in ways that make suicide the only way out for them. And if people knew the extent of how this had really affected law enforcement and the quality of life, they'd be up in arms about it. Do we not know because we don't care or because people don't talk? I mean, it's funny you open up this subject because this whole idea of last... I mean, let's put it this way. Let's say for a second that in in, uh, St. Patrick's Day the night before uh, we couldn't go to the bar on St. Patrick's Day. I'll never forget that. Uh, The you know, we sent everybody home for COVID. Now, good idea, bad idea. I, I guess I understand if people thought I was going to die from it. Um, I understand the motivation. So I'm not going to criticize dramatically. The criticism is the same one Kevin has, is that there's no mid-course correction. There's no... But here we are two years later, basically, or, you know, 20 months later, and now everybody tells me kids are fighting in school. Kids are... People don't have to take the L anymore. I mean... uh Matty Weber doesn't know what it's like to be in, in work for eight hours. The, the 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 amazing change it's made in people's you can't you know you you, you can't get along, your distance between the person next to you. you feel nervous being that close. They haven't close. Does anybody think that all this could happen this bad in a year? I mean, were that were that much pack animals at home? If you change our our, our packness, all of a sudden everybody's all screwed up. The suicide rates. I mean, Carl's right. I, Carl, I think he's right. More people are dying this year over when expected to die than last year. Suicides, the drugs, the alcoholism. I mean, it, can we not get screwed up in that short a period of time? I think we we have, and uh, the, for people who really you know, wanted to you know, sort of play with the system and see what kind of results they could get, the lockdown was just one of, of many things that I think have just degraded people's, you know, Ability to kind of navigate their lives, so you got you know the highest you know cause of death among people of you know like twenty to age forty five is opioid overdoses now, and I, that's been you know creeping up for a long time. But I think it's this good reason to, to see why people are doing it in greater numbers. But look at everything else they have to deal with that they've been just pretty much imprisoned. You know, their whole family structure, their kids are out of school, or everybody's locked in together. You're, you're made to be frightened about everything around you, and after a while, people with, with you know sensitive imaginations, you know, are going to just take themselves out. So we've we've created a, just a, a horrible kind of ant farm culture here. If you could stand back far enough and watch what we've really created here, we would we would lift every lockdown immediately. We would put everybody back in school and the hell with the COVID or anything yeah. else, and try to resume a normal life because. What we have now is is anything but what I want to have. This is this is not the kind of life I wanted to have for my retirement. 
Well, Audrey has a, a friend, a lady. I've met her a few times. She's she's terrific. She's got to be ninety-ish now, but just she went in like the assisted care facility. Uh, I'm going to say a week before COVID, and she was perfectly. I won't say perfectly, but she was ninety percent okay on her own. Well, you know, the daughters, you know, were, they're worried about her, right? They're more worried about them being worried about them, I think. But it's an accusation. But anyway, they put her in this place. The COVID hits. All of a sudden, she can't even visit the lady next door. No communal eating, no bridge games, no nothing. Well, she wants to vi- goes to visit her last week and drags her out of there and takes her out to lunch. So she's lost like thirty pounds. She's skinny as can be. She saw the lunch that showed up in a carton. They still are eating by themselves in their room. And she says the lunch wouldn't you wouldn't give to a dog, and it's six grand a month or something. Jan, I mean, uh. Are, are we letting these people get away with this forever now? Why can't people have lunch together and serve somebody something decent? I mean, is this COVID or is this something we wanted to do in the beginning? Something we've always wanted to do and we're using COVID to do it. I think there's a lot of people who wanted to do it. And it's a way of just cheapening life and, and giving people less hope and power over their, their lives and, and even the basic enjoyment of your life. And then you make people desperate enough, you can do whatever you want with them and steal, the, you know, their life savings and everything else, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's, look, it's, look at the wealth transfer that COVID has made possible. Well, the, uh, anyway, can you hang for the break? Uh, yeah. SP futures down 62 now, and as if it's down 250, this is getting ugly. I don't think we want to see this every day between now and the end of the year. But, uh, right now, we're not looking good. You're right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? The human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. He's Mr. Brent Weber. Man, can I use the term coyote ugly? It's getting coyote ugly here this morning. The SP futures down 61. NSA futures down 241. Dow futures down 412. Um, that's not good, uh, especially on a holiday week when we normally like to creep up these weeks. Nikkei down 607, it's 2.1%. Shanghai down 38, 1.07%. They're like the better one. Hang Seng down 447, 1.9. Uh, that's even though China cut their lending rate. I wonder if some of this is this Evergrande and these other places starting to circulate around, uh, all the bad problems those places are having. It's gotta be. Since we sold off last summer on the rumor of it, and all of a sudden it's actually happened, like nothing's happening. Uh, DAX down 297, it's 1.9%. FTSE down 86, 1.2. Kick around, only down 1%, 71. Uh, as a way of review on Friday, Dow was down 532, S&P down 48, NASDAQ only down 10. So actually the NASDAQ was a stalwart on Friday, but uh, not today. They're down 239 so far. Uh, bonds, 10-year unchanged, 1.3 now. Bund unchanged. Minus .37. Again, their inflation rate's supposed to be worse than ours over there. If that's the case, having a negative 10-year rate is, is really something unusual. Uh, Japan unchanged, positive .05. Oil down three bucks now, 67.79. Ouch. Rent down 2.73, 70.79. Natural gas down, sorry, up 14 cents, 3.83. Arbob down five. 2.06. I saw the green in natural gas. I almost didn't recognize green this morning. Green. I mean, it's up. Gold down 6.70. Everything's red. Silver down 27 cents, 22.26. Copper down 2 cents, 4.27. Merry Christmas, Manny. What do you got for us, Trevor? Go to sports. Coming up on 39 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Traffic is looking good. We can at least say that. No issues at all on the Edens or Kennedy. Light traffic on the Eisenhower and Stevenson. We do have some red coming in on the Dan Ryan, but that's our seemingly only slowest uh, or only slow moving that's, that's what I was telling you about. Yeah, I think it's because of that lane configuration. We're seeing some uh, slowdown as you're heading in uh, toward the loop. Uh, from the south side, but everything else is all quiet out there, absolutely no uh, delays to speak of. Uh, people maybe starting their holiday vacations a little early. Off the expressways, a couple of crashes. Uh, southwest, uh, Romero Road at New Avenue, there's uh, what says here is a multiple vehicle crash on the bridge over the INM Canal. And then just uh, west of there, looks like we have, uh, well, it actually just went away. So I think that's it. Everything else quiet out there. Weather today, a nice uh, day for December 20th. 
course, the solstice is tomorrow. Uh, so this is what your shortest day of the year, or is tomorrow the shortest day? Of tomorrow. The year? Tomorrow's the shortest day of the year. So we're almost over the hump. But today, partly cloudy skies with a high of 41. Right now, it's clear and 32 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 71 today, 30 to 12. Sunday night football it was the Saints shutting out the Buccaneers, nine to nothing. NBA basketball, the game of the night last night was Bulls-Lakers at the United Center, and it was the shorthanded Bulls beating the shorthanded Lakers 115 to 106. Chief. Man, did you sidle on over and, uh, to see the Spider-Man movie? Uh, no, I have no interest. <laughs> okay. I've never seen any Spider-Man movie. I haven't either, but uh, obviously some people did. 253 million in ticket sales. Is that a lot? I, have, I don't oh, even God, know. Oh, God, yeah. It's a... It's the uh, highest film debut of 2021, the third is third best opening of all time. Wow. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know there was a new Spider-Man movie. Well, they did, they did $50 million Thursday night. That's why AMC was up. Uh, so is this like the 10th the Spider-Man movie? I mean, how many are they oh, going to make of the same sure. freaking thing? Forever. I mean, it's, uh, nobody, Lord. Nobody, who are these people that go to this? Well... <laughs> Well, they, they throw, <laughs> is it they, just kids? They they had three hundred thirty four million in sixty overseas markets, the five hundred seventy eighty seven million global haul in a weekend. Wow! I bet you can't name the two uh, movies that are the only two that are ahead of them. Um, of all time, yeah. That's, uh, one of, is it one of the Star Wars? You're, you're, you know, Jan, I knew I knew Jaddy, I knew Maddie when he was young. You, are you at this? Are you the same age now as when I met you? When I was when I met you? No, um, not quite. <laughs> How about I, you could have you could have held a, a, a flame to my face and I could Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War the first two. Who the hell? Are, who are those? No idea. I mean, I know it's a superhero. One of the you know, just like Spider Man. That's. I think it's just people taking their kids to these movies uh, because I don't know anyone that watches these movies. Maybe Thomas. <laughs> well, I mean, they uh, no, if you if you show up with a, with a script, they're going to boot your ass out the door. You, you don't want a script anymore. It's all about still blowing everything up because it, it, it supersedes every language. Nobody, you don't want anything with like you know U.S. humor in a flick that they're not going to understand in China or Vietnam. Uh, makes sense. But but blowing up stuff is uh, universal. It's cool. Right? I'm pretty out of touch, I guess. I, I used to enjoy going to the movies every once in a while. I was never a big uh, theater guy, only because y- it's not that enjoyable to pay you know twelve dollars for a, a bucket of popcorn. And it, to me, anyway, yeah, uh, it's just not. And uh, you know, and now the tickets are really expensive too. Um, so you know, if, if maybe every once in a while, maybe once a year, I would go to a movie. And now it's probably once every three years. Why do you suppose, out of all the years they had movies, um, and I, I, I've been a movie in ages, but it, it took so long for them to have like bars and movie theaters. Good question. Now they pretty much all the new theaters have uh, a full bar. Uh, you, at, you know, basically they 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 used to sort of look the other way when you snuck your own candy and you know flask in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now. They like are on top of you and won't let you sneak anything in, but but they offer you the full bar and the full food and snacks and everything like that. Well, you so. could never, you if you even even if you got a coke out of the vending machine, you could never bring the coke into the theater. Well, you're never supposed to, but yeah. I mean, you know, I felt like when I was a kid, you'd have your pockets full of you know candy that you bought or a, you know whatever anything you could sneak in, 
And uh, they would kind of, I felt like they kind of looked the other way. Like, they weren't stupid. Obviously, if, if, if you were really obvious about it, they might say, hey, you can't bring that in here. But if you were discreet, it was sort of an unwritten agreement that you could do that. Now, oh my god, they, they got metal detectors and everything. Uh, but but then they offer you the full bar. Well, they used to have, uh, even in the middle of the day, they always had five or six Andy Frame guys around. Is they, those guys even around anymore? I don't know. I don't think so, Tom. They were a big deal. Oh, yeah, they were all over the place. I mean, a lot of guys I went to high school with were Andy Frames, and so many, they had Andy Frames at the ball games everywhere. My dad used to moonlight for Andy Frames, courtesy of my uncle, his brother-in-law, who was a Chicago cop, but he would get lines on things that, that Andy Frame needed, like, extra staff for, for whatever they were doing. So my dad was a professional pallbearer. <laughs> really? <laughs> but they'd have big, like funerals where they didn't have anybody in the family who could or was young enough to be a pallbearer, they'd call in Andy Frayne to be the pallbearer. So my dad would, you know, down the uniform and, you know, take somebody to the grave he never met in his life. <laughs> and he'd get a little check at the end of the day. So he'd get That's invited amazing. to the luncheon and everything else. Well, they had those uniforms, and I know every, every plaza, there had to be 15 guys there the whole time. Oh, yeah. Every sporting event, you know, the theaters, you know, movie theaters, and Andy Frayne was... Um, they were they were the, the kind of a sign of, of stability and order everywhere you, you went with crowds. So they're still around too. Um, I just pulled up their website. It says uh, Andy Frame Services, America's leading provider of integrated solutions to security and events for over ninety years. Well, that, I remember the first time I saw some. I walk in and I look at these Andy Frame guys. And all of a sudden, there was this very attractive blonde lady that I would, and I'm going, "Whoa, Sandy Sandy Frame thing is just taking a step up." They have girls doing this now too. They were, and, and all in the uniforms. They were all very, everybody was very professional. They were all, everybody was all, I mean, we had to be what, 16 or something or 17? Yeah. Be young. That's something I was, was aspired to be, Tom. I never got around to, to really, you know, following through on it, but I thought. I'm thinking you interviewed, and they, you interviewed and they, they tossed you. <laughs> Just their their big uh, sort of line of service now, uh, getting them through this whole thing is they're doing, uh, Andy Frayne at a COVID screening. So like helping guide cars into the, <laughs> the COVID screening places and make, I guess maintaining order at, the, at those testing. Well, well they don't wear the uniforms anymore. They were like the powder blue, uh, yeah. with the, with the gold on them. They actually, you know, did you have to buy your own uniform? I bet you did. I think you did. Had to keep it clean and everything else. Oh God! Um, but they paid well, you know. They, they, there was a lot of status attached to being one. So I think I, I, don't, I think you had to travel a lot to go. I don't think you yeah, were, you did. You did. I don't think you were just locked into the Evergreen Plaza if you lived around there. They get a no, you had to have a car and you had to you know, get wherever you needed. So yeah. Well, anywho, uh, so Jan, uh, the we got the markets kind of you know not liking this. We got the Fed doing whatever they're doing. We got this bill falling apart in Congress. Uh, not a whole hell of a lot of good news around. Uh, I, some of the the COVID stuff this weekend, where all these guys are talking about a three to four week blow through, and uh, you know they have some people in hospitals, but they just about everybody says if you've had a a vaccine, uh, that you're mostly everybody in the hospitals have not had a vaccine. Uh, that the people who do are, are getting the one thing that bothers me a little bit since I already had it. Uh, is that it doesn't, even people that have already had it are, even, are getting mild symptoms. And, uh, but then when this one's over, or if they're thinking it just becomes, when the one guy say it's going to go from, uh, pandemic to endemic in a year, that a year from now or two years from now, it's, it'll be around, but it'll flare up here and there, but not, not be a big problem. It'll be like the other COVID stuff after another year or two. I mean, I, I guess I'm hoping that's the case, right? 
Well, the, the stuff that's been coming out this weekend is, I mean, it, it confirms what I have felt for a while, but um, people like Fauci and Francis Collins were, were, you know, smearing any, you know, group of physicians who were calling for herd immunity and, you know, the treatment of, of people with symptoms and not just rampant testing and rampant vaccination. And the, the powers that be really did everything to, to just trash those doctors' reputations. And then you've got the CDC that's been pretty much lying about the vaccination rate because they're including, you know, people in the fully vaccinated category who are not fully vaccinated. If you have one of the, you know, Moderna or Pfizer or AstraZeneca shots and, and not the second one, you're still classed as fully vaccinated, which has grossly inflated the percentage of the population that is fully vaccinated by their definitions so you can't believe any of these numbers you, you can't believe the test results now the whole thing has pretty much unraveled and has been unraveling for some time but I'm, I'm interested to see how long it will take for any of this to really result in any kind of pullback on stuff because it, it clearly you know, this is not the direction that we are being led it's all about you know now we've got christmas coming up and you got to wear a mask indoors and you know, test everybody before you let them sit down at christmas dinner and all this crazy stuff i thought well, none of that been over that a year ago but, none of that seems to be working obviously this thing's going through so fast it's like it's like the measles for god's sake well and like any other flu bug you know yeah. eventually everybody will get it and you know next year they won't get the exact same thing but you want everybody to get it eventually, and there's no way you can stop people from getting it by vaccines. Like like Carl was saying, it's, it's so rampant, it moves so fast. There's no vaccine around that's going to keep up with it. So. Uh, why Why do you suppose? Uh, I guess the obvious one is, if somebody decided to go get a vaccine, and why wouldn't you get the second shot? I think it, you know, but, but a lot of people felt that you know that, that I've done this part. I don't. I had enough of a reaction from the first one. I'm not too wild about doing the second one, or I'm. I, I don't really believe that strongly in getting any vaccine, let alone two of them, or three of them, or four of them, as they're not pushing. I think a lot of people, you know, have done this without, you know, wanting to think about what they're doing, and if, if they have any concerns or qualms about being fully vaccinated, I think it's, they. Well, I had, uh, I'm not going to follow through. I had. Uh, well, Matt, you got the Johnson Johnson, right? So you only had one. Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, my f- first one, I did the Moderna, had absolutely zero reaction. And, uh, second one, a little bit, a little tired, uh, to maybe for like maybe 24 hours. That was about it. And I got some emails from a couple of listeners on Friday saying that they had a booster and after not having much reaction on the first two, you know, six months later, they got a big reaction to the booster, right? It- it's the same shot, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder why why uh, people are having different reactions to the one or two or three. I mean, first one, I didn't even. I thought I thought they gave me a placebo. I didn't feel anything. Now I'm hearing about people that have uh, you know problems on the site and their arm and everything else. I, I didn't have any of that. Did you? Well, Manny, well I mean, I, I think that a lot of people did get placebos. Tom, this is another part. Oh, of the was. Whole well, you know what they do? See, now I think you might be wrong there because uh, I read about. Uh, I read uh, in a few spots, and now when they give you a placebo, if whatever it is they're giving you makes your arm sore, in the placebo they put something in there to make your arm sore. So, so you don't know. You can't just say my arm wasn't sore. I must have got the placebo. Isn't that wild? Oh, makes sense, I guess. I guess. 
I guess if you're interested in selling more and more vaccines, that's one way to do it. So, so uh, you don't have to be putting the, the real contents of a vaccine in people's arms, but you're still charging somebody for it. So. Well, what's the, uh, given what's going on in the sports and everything, I'll ask both of you guys, what, what is the piece of good news we're looking for here? I mean, I think the market is, is pretty darn high anyway. So I think a, even even a 20% correction, depending now not in every single stock, because some are higher, I think some, are, some should be half where they are, in my opinion, but thank God I don't have any of those for my clients. But uh, uh, but some, I, you know, I think we're going to do a little bit, because I think these interest rates at some point are going to have to go up, even though these guys are pouring more money in when they say that they're doing something. I mean, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever game they're playing there, I think they're screwing it all up. But still, I think... It, it looks like we're going to have somewhat of a normalization over the next year or two, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think the economy at some point here, if we get money to people that, uh, you know, as we take some of this back from China, which I assume is still one of the things we want to do, I think at some point here people will get their act together and some of these the, the plants will start doing a little bit better and places will be able to hire some people. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bullish in that regard, uh, John. Now, whether that comes out in the numbers, considering I don't think we can believe the numbers, all the money they poured in there, I don't know when it's going to show. And then I guess, I guess my question here is, when are we going to get a piece of good news? Because right now, I don't see any at all. Do you? No. It's all a concerted effort to keep people on tenderhooks about everything, you know, and that, that there's a, a real fatigue factor that is set in, and people expect there to be bad news all the time. So... But I think there is some good news. I mean, I really do. Oh, I, yeah. I think there are. I, I think there's a a lot of barriers, and some of the the fact that we have these big companies now. I mean, you know, I I stopped at Home Depot last week and bought a one of the tenants has a issue with uh, I don't know allergies or something. So I I never bought one of those high end filters before. So I said I'll try it. I mean, it's, I'm a good I'm a good landlord, uh, and they claim it's better. Whatever, but. It's twenty three bucks for a small filter, and I'm thinking that filter a year ago had to be fifteen. I'm not going to say it was ten or maybe it was seventeen, but I'll bet it's up twenty percent in a year just because oh, yeah. they can. I mean, I well, just to check up for my heating system here, Tom, which is an old you know gas hot water radiator result of the building. Uh, the, the cost of the checkup has tripled in the last ten years. And, you know, it doubled in the last year. Same thing, same routine, same guy did it. He worked for this bunch, and this is now what they charge. It's like the same routine, but it costs twice as much this year as it did last year. So, Well, you know, I could have helped you out there. I got a guy. <laughs> you got to have a guy, you know. the uh, They don't exactly speak English, but, you know, I got a guy. Just saying. Unimportant in my book. <laughs> uh, and, you, and you might have to pay cash, but, you know, I got a guy. It's just, just saying. Text <laughs> me the number. <laughs> I mean, there's guys and there's guys. But, you know, I, I think actually in, in the midst of this, there, there, I think there's going to be some adjustment to the good. I just hope we don't screw it up so bad that, uh, that the, we never, we never see it. I mean, uh, I have, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I think some people on the show are trying to help my nephew's with a place that does a lot of metalworking. They're looking for people that actually can go out and, and, and if people have a problem or need a part or whatever, or need new conveyor systems, things like that, that are now old, we're starting to use them again. Now, Kevin says that uh, they have a, 
It's one of the things they do at, at uh, what, what's he at, uh, what's the name of the place? Vibe Tech. Vibe Tech. Um, and he says they have a whole area in there, metalworking, uh, drawing, uh, designing parts, those kinds of things. You know, if I can put those two together and a couple people get hired and nice jobs, you know, th- that's how you build this, like, one step at a time, right? And I and I think that it's not like we can't do this anymore. We can. If, you know, if, if somebody's allowed to, to break into the business and, and uh, you know, it's, you know, make it believe that somebody can start a business and a year all the rules change and all of a sudden we want everything back from China again. I mean, we can't keep starting and stopping everybody. I think if we have some sort of a of a coherent plan where the politicians at least stay out of the way for a little bit or the city doesn't bury the places on taxes or the state or anything like that, there's a lot of ifs. Because I think we're, we're real down the road of where we're, we're just screwing everybody. It's, it's hard to be an entrepreneur, and I think we really need to. I mean, next time uh, uh, you're on, John, we talk a little bit about what's going on in, in my industry and the regulation. And I, you know, I, I I am absolutely appalled by what's going on in my industry. I mean, it, it's uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of set the table for next time you're on. But the idea, the Finra does not just does not like the idea. Somebody's got a hair up there behind. They don't like the idea that anybody who like gives advice, like a broker, also charges like commissions. Okay. Um, all right. Now, I, I, there, there's a, is there an inherent conflict in that? Yeah. Right. I'll, 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 I'll roll with that. Okay, but you can't just be some some nub that works for Finra. You got to open your eyes. Look around here. Look, look around you. Every other walk of life has the same inherent conflict. Well, any lawyer who gives an opinion or advises somebody and sends you a bill for the advice, there's a potential you know, conflict, certainly. <laughs> if you're making your life easier by telling the client to do this and you're charging the client for it, but there might be something that might make your life a little harder, maybe it wouldn't, wouldn't involve you know, a, a, the same cost to the client or a lesser cost. This is in every industry where you are selling an opinion or expertise, and so be it. You know, we it's a question it. of trust. We don't mind paying. Yeah, it's a question of trust and reputation, so. right? It's trust and reputation. If you, if you right. take this to the extreme, if you have a flat tire, the guy is going to say, "You got a flat tire. I can't. I can't sell you the tire because now that would that would impede my opinion. So what I'm going to do is charge you for the advice." Fifty bucks, and I'll write you out a prescription for a new tire. Right here, go and go to this person again and, and buy the tire. Bill. Just buy the tire. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, or, or you got a cavity in your tooth. Well, now I told you, you got a cavity. I can't fill it because I make money by filling it. This is this is a, you know, any kind of a complex economy. You have this. This is how things function. It's just, I mean, just people so at a certain level referring business yeah. or you know steering an opinion in a way that is. Advantageous to everybody, including me. Yeah. I'm the one giving it, and I'm the one who's. No, yeah, you got to go. You, you, go another, you won't come back to me. So yeah, you got to go to another dentist, and uh, right. like we can't figure this out. SP futures down 58. John, thank you. Nasdaq futures down 227. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. Hey guys, what's up, G? Want to go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? Oh, it's a little early. I, mean. I got to get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. 
offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 